Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course, with you as always, I am your ever so humble and, uh, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, committing a live historic Roan County, Tennessee. 
Woo! And that live audience is considerably larger than the norm, as we are once again simulcasting live with the fine folks over at WCET Radio. So it's WCET. Oh. That's not good. Oh, sorry. WCET Radio. Uh, I already said that, didn't I? Okay. Anyway, uh, Chief was uh, already joined us in the chat room, and he just put up something and said, when I clicked your show, I was directed to the BTR Oops page. Ah, so it took him a little while to get here. But he still beat everybody else, so hopefully nobody else hits that and gives up. I don't know how willing, uh, <laughs> how hard they're willing to work to get over here at BTR. But we are doing the live simulcast, and it is Friday night at WCET. It's Friday night at uh, BTR, and it is whenever it is, if you're listening to the rebroadcast on any of the great radio stations across the country that does that, or if you're listening via podcast, wherever you may be listening. And for the benefit of those of you who are not listening live, the time of the live broadcast was indeed October 2nd, 2020, and it's a few brief moments after 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Chief says that he can hear me fine, though, so that's good. That's good. I'm glad at least part of it's working. All right, so thanks, everybody, for being here. Obviously, uh, we're doing the Friday night thing as usual. Got a, a few things that I definitely wanted to discuss today. But uh, as we do the first hour live at WCET, uh, it's going to be just you and me for that time period. Uh, second hour tonight, the live, uh, it's not going to be simulcast. Uh, usually they don't pick up that second hour live. Other shows are, are there. Every now and then they do, but uh, usually not. Uh, so I would inc heavily encourage you to visit me later. Uh, check out the archives. Because in hour number two, I am scheduled to be joined by Mr. Jonathan uh, Jakubowski. He's the author of Bellwether Blues, A Conservative Awakening of the Millennial Soul. And uh, my initial purpose was to discuss with him uh, the ongoing attacks against Judge Amy Coney Barrett uh, that are based on her religious beliefs and how he believes that will play in those swing states, and it has a lot to do with the book, but the more that I read his book, the more I just want to talk about the general premise of the book. Uh, it, it's a really good read. It's a quick read, uh, probably one of the fastest 200-plus pages that I have uh, read. Uh, the only book of comparable size that I read faster was uh, – I actually have it right over here. One of Doug Giles' books. Pulling it up right now. Try not to uh, throw everything off. Uh, for those of you that are seeing the uh, video footage, which is a new feature going on, and I don't advise you to check it out because I'm nothing to look at, but I'm doing it because people tell me that I can. But right here, uh, Doug Giles, my grandpa is a patriotic badass. And, uh, of course, the reason that it's such a quick read is you can look in here in several of the pages are a little more than things like my grandpa says kids should help around the house and not be lazy and mouthy, ungrateful, little – well, I'm not going to say that on the radio, but <laughs> anyway. Then you jump over to the uh, opposite page. Kids should learn to say please and thank you when they're real little. Uh, he says that keeps them from being self-obsessed me monkeys when they get older. And uh, yeah, 
it's stuff like that. Uh, and that's what made that one a faster read. It's still well worth it, though. I love Doug Jones, but uh, certainly not a criticism. My Skype is uh, blinking in and out with me now, too, so let me uh, play over here. But that, anyway, all that being said, it's a great book. Highly recommend it. There is a link in the show description for uh, those of you who are interested. Uh, the old chat is appearing on BTR. <laughs> That's weird. And obviously we're having some technical glitches at BTR, which is really, really strange. And uh, now I'm peeking in the chat room, and I see that Cajun has joined us as well as Bigfoot Blogger Extraordinaire. You definitely should not take my word for that. Go see for yourself. Bigfootsplace.blogspot.com is the place to go there. Uh, Cajun saying BTR is messing up again. Till I logged out of BTR and logged back in, I had to get the chat. I have a feeling Marilyn <laughs> don't like me because I don't take that 50% off offer. <laughs> uh, could be, could be. Marilyn, Marilyn is like that. You just have to roll with the punches. Okay. So, obviously, the big news story of the day, impossible to get away with not mentioning it at all, is the fact that in the wee hours of the early morning, uh, just mere moments after midnight, actually, the initial news broke on Twitter that both President Donald J. Trump and his wife have tested positive for COVID-19. Now… I, I want to uh, I want to give a shout out to a few folks that very rarely get this opportunity. I want to give a shout out to Rachel Maddow. I want to give a shout out, believe it or not, to Alyssa Milano, and a, a respectful hat tip to Joe Biden. These are all people that will almost never, almost never. Now, Rachel Maddow, I actually talk uh, kind of nice about most of the time. I I never really agree with her points. But I do respect her at least efforts to uphold her particular standards, and she's really good at what she does. So I, I've spoken, I suppose, more glowingly about Rachel Maddow than most conservative hosts would in just acknowledging that she's good at what she does. I just don't like what she does. That doesn't necessarily equate to dislike personally. I just – I have a hard time agreeing with her, and she's so obvious when she's going off the top and – I mean, if it wasn't for the Russian delusion, <laughs> uh, maybe she'd be a little bit. I don't know. But anyway, straight up props to these three in particular because they actually were classy, respectful, and considerate in their responses to the news that Donald J. Trump and his wife, Melania, uh, have – Tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, the rest of the blue check marks on Twitter, a lot like you would expect. A lot of news people uh, took great pleasure in it. And a lot of people were making statements along the lines of, I hope they die. We're the party of love. We're the party of inclusion. We're the party of, I hope they die. Why? Because you dare to oppose their ideology, and yet they still get not even the slightest whiff of their own hypocrisy. Just, just not a bit of it. And at any rate, that was the big news of the day, along with uh, 
the first lady having an audio tape but leaked. This audio tape, her complaining about how the media treats her and how she's supposed to be trying to do the Christmas stuff. And uh, and all of a sudden she's being asked about uh, the, the terrible conditions of the children being separated by parents at the border. And she was frustrated. And you can tell that well, you could tell that she was reasonably frustrated. She was flustered, and every statement she was making in this audio was completely understandable under the circumstances. <laughs> yeah, had Anderson Cooper suggest that this that this meant somehow Miss Trump was part of the war on Christmas, when all you had to do was listen to the frustration, and it wasn't about the fact. That she was having to do the Christmas stuff because that's the expectation. It was because that's what the discussion was supposed to be about, and yet the media wanted to run in a different direction, and they kept wanting to hammer her, and they wanted to twist whatever she would say. The same thing that the rest of the Trump family has to deal with every single day, especially President Donald Trump. This is supposedly a friend of hers, supposedly a friend who had started recording her conversation secretly… With her, why she was writing a book. She was planning this for a while, boys and girls. This is insane. This is part of the reason why the Trump uh, family behaves the way they do. At the end of the day, they know ultimately the state, deep state or otherwise, doesn't like Donald Trump because he doesn't want to play the game the way it's always been played. He doesn't want to go along with whatever they want him to go along with. He looks at things. If it doesn't make sense, he's going to do his own thing, period. So they don't like him. They don't want him around. He's, he's ruining everything. He's mucking up the game. He's draining the swamp. Not really. The, the swamp's not drained any. Uh, he doesn't have enough time. He wouldn't have enough time if we did amend a few uh, term limits here and there and let him have four terms. He wouldn't have enough time to drain the swamp. But because he's unwilling to play the game the way it's always been played, because he wants to actually put the American people first, well, this is a moment of reckoning, and this is why the only people that they can truly trust are each other. The Trump family is it. That's why Donald was smart enough to bring him with him. But at any rate, I think this is a ridiculous story, and I actually think it makes the first lady look good. I really do. I think that shows that she's part of the team, and it shows that she's feeling that same frustration that you know the rest of the Trumps are, but she's putting on a very strong front, but you know she's just a human. So I think it works well. But uh, at any rate, just a couple of hours before showtime, news was breaking related to the Trump COVID situation. And that, of course, if you haven't heard yet, then uh, don't worry. It's not Overly exaggerated news, but uh, President Trump has been transported to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center where he's going to stay for the next few days after being diagnosed with COVID-19. Quoting here from Press Secretary uh, Kayleigh McEnany, President Trump remains in good spirits, has mild symptoms, and has been working throughout the day. Out of an abundance of caution… And at the recommendation of his physician and medical experts, the president will be working from the presidential offices 
at Walter Reed for the next few days. President Trump appreciates the outpouring of support for both he and the First Lady. So after we get this confirmation of the president's diagnosis, as a precautionary measure, he's receiving a single 8-gram dose of an With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Antibiotic cocktail. So it's it's like this experimental thing that he's getting as the way it's been explained and described from everything that I'm seeing. Uh, evidently, he got this uh, little antibody cocktail, handled it well, and uh, seems to be doing fine. Uh, the president's been taking zinc, vitamin D, uh, daily aspirin, a few other things to go along. Just the standard things you would do if you were suffering from a viral issue. But the big news is he's being moved out of an abundance of caution. Now, I continue to be in awe. I continue to be completely amazed at how vitriolic the reaction from the left has been and how moronic some people have been, including certain hosts at MSNBC who immediately, immediately reached out to Nancy Mimi Pelosi and asked if the White House had contacted her about continuity of government. Really? Really? First of all, Donald Trump is not ill enough to not meet the obligations of the job. He's not. He's, he's at this point. Now, again, this is based on what we're seeing, and there's no reason to believe otherwise, but eh, if you're somebody who thinks and rightfully so, that we're not necessarily going to get the whole truth, well, then okay. <laughs> yes, Chief, Eric, Eric Cartman hopes Trump dies. Seriously, you guys, stop talking about Eric Cartman. Seriously. And going home. Now, uh, <laughs> as it turns out, Chief is giving me a hard time in the chat room. He's feeling good today. As it turns out, though, this this right now doesn't appear to be that big of a deal. Now, I will tell you, though, I've seen the plethora of reactions all day long. Uh, as I was scrolling through feeds, a lot of people were in full panic mode, thinking, oh, no, well, if this goes bad for Donald Trump, we have to pray for the country. Blah, blah. It's like, I think Mike Pence will be okay for the remainder of the time uh, that uh, is yet to be served. 
if something terrible was to happen. And, and here's the thing. Donald Trump is in fact in a uh, an age group being 74 years old that it is a little more serious for. Throw on top of that, and this is not me casting dispersions. I have no room to criticize on this count. He's also you know, just a smidge overweight, which is another issue that can exacerbate the COVID-19 infection. But the things that Donald Trump has going for him is he has an unusual level of energy and an unusual uh, healthy vigor to him for a 74-year-old man, and he has access to some of the greatest health care available. So I don't think there's a reason to panic just yet, and so far we haven't seen any indications, and I hope he continues to show the American public the entire time while they're doing the quarantining and the convalescing and whatever else needs to be done, that he spends time on video for as long as he's looking strong and healthy and is only dealing with minor symptoms, that he should show that to the, to the American people on a daily basis via Zoom or some similar thing. <laughs> Uh, Bigfoot asked, is Kitty the one who dies in every South Park episode? Well, yeah, uh, except for that large gap uh, time uh, in one of the middle seasons where Kitty was just gone for a while. Then they brought him back, and then he started dying again. Although he doesn't die every episode anymore. But for the first several seasons, yes, yes, that was Kitty. Oh, my God, they killed Kitty. You. Never mind. Okay, so as we (laughs) – why it's Friday, guys? I I'm in the mood to talk about anything but the most ridiculous stuff here. But uh, as we know, there there's the breaking news. So we have it. He's gone to get this extra. But the the notion, the idea, this absolutely mind-boggling set. You're second in line. And I heard some people arguing about that statement too. It's like clearly what she meant is there are two people <laughs> in line. Take over, not that uh, she's next, but that she's second in a line of two people. Uh, why would they? I mean, they're, they made it clear at this point they're not transferring the role of authority or power over to Mike Pence right now. So there really is no reason to even put Nancy Pelosi on standby. It does show you how scary it is to have Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House right now, and I hope some people are really thinking about that right now. Just hope so. Now, again, I I don't suspect that uh, Donald Trump is going to to face any deathly ill circumstances here. I think he will be fine. Uh, I think he will probably go through this uh, with flying colors. Uh, I, I don't say that I know with any certainty, but I suspect based on his general health before this happened, he'll probably do all right. I mean I sometimes I think that Donald Trump can just will himself into being well and that he'll be fine. But uh, I mean we'll see. And obviously thoughts and prayers with uh, the whole Trump family uh, in the event that this does become more serious than it appears to be now. Uh, obviously there's a lot riding on this. Uh, that would be the case regardless. Uh, I don't want to downplay the seriousness of the circumstances, but at the same time, I don't think there's a whole lot to worry about here, and I pray that it stays that way. Now, there was another story that was breaking, and I got to sneak this in here too uh, before uh, 
I don't know. Why do I have to sneak this in before the break? Uh, <laughs> well, because I was planning on talking about other stories. That's why. Uh, so I'm going to try and sneak this in before the uh, half-hour break, too, and that is another story that was breaking just a couple of hours before airtime, and that is according to released grand jury testimony, it was Brianna Taylor who shot at police officers during the March 13th raid on her apartment. Boyfriend Kenneth Walker allegedly told the police before changing his story. Now, that kind of changes a lot if that happened to be the case. Now, would the boyfriend, would Mr. Walker have something to gain by trying to pin it on Brianna? I mean, she did take the brunt of the bullets that were fired from the police officers who actually hit something. And yet he was not hit at all. Now, that would be consistent with how police officers are trained. Yet none of the police officers have said any differently, so I don't know. What does this do? Well, the thing that this would really lean towards, if that was the case, is that you can no longer take the boyfriend Walker as a reliable witness. And it certainly would be good reason for the grand jury to not want to move forward or pursue charges and try to get an indictment against these officers. Now, there's more here, though, and we'll look at this. And a lot of it is still unclear as to what the big picture really is. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around the reason behind the rationale for the release of this information in the first place because I think when you do this kind of thing – and I'm a guy who likes transparency. Don't get me wrong, but there's a reason why grand jury testimony typically is left – to the grand jury and those who presented it and is not made public, and it's because there can be a backlash against innocent people who followed the letter of the law, which is what we want. It's what everyone should want. It's what I want. I want the letter of the law. I want these people not extrapolating things that's not president evidence. I don't want people saying, well, uh, two plus two could equal seven, so you're guilty. I don't want that. I want one plus one has to be two for the purposes of following the law. You can have whatever debate you want to out of school you want. But if you're serving on the grand jury, if you're serving as a member of a trial jury, whatever, only what's in evidence and in accordance with the law. That's how it should be, and there should be no angry mob. There should be no amount of angry mob that pushes a, a an attorney, pushes a district attorney, pushes a, a attorney general into releasing information that's not normally released. The only reason you should ever release anything like this is if it does indeed prove factually – that the fault is different than what the angry mob truly believes. But even then, I'm reluctant. I don't necessarily like the idea. But at any rate, they, they've decided to do this, and that was one big bombshell thing that came out. Now, former officer Brett Hankinson told investigators during an interview uh, heard by the grand jury that Walker, quote, had told him she was the one who shot at us. 
This was even reported by the Daily Mail. It said, quote, Walker later said that he was the one who opened fire. So he changed his story, but initially said it was actually Brianna Taylor. Now, I don't I don't necessarily like this being out because it only muddies the waters. It was also noted by the news outlet, quote, one of Taylor's neighbors also told investigators that police had told her that, quote, some drug-dealing girl shot an officer. So clearly, there was some thinking that Brianna was the one who was actually doing the shooting initially, was the first to open fire. Now, could it be a case that the boyfriend was in a position that none of the officers actually saw him? All they saw was Brianna Taylor. That, to me, would be the only reasonable explanation about how Walker could have been the one to shoot and then why the two officers that actually did hit something other than just randomly shooting and then almost killing people in an adjacent apartment. The people that actually hit something only hit Brianna Taylor. At some point, it clearly felt to them as if she's the one who had opened fire. And the fact that Mr. Walker was at one point at least willing to lie about this certainly seemed to make it uh, reasonable that the officers would have done so. Now, of course, the Kentucky Attorney General, Daniel Cameron, had did agree earlier this week to release recordings from the grand jury proceedings, much to my chagrin, these proceedings in the Taylor case, after a former juror complained that, quote, certain questions were left unanswered and suggested that information presented to the grand jury was different from the information that Cameron presented to the public. So the release audio also reportedly indicates that officers said they knocked and announced themselves uh, for up to one to two minutes before breaking down the door of the apartment. Again, this from the Daily Mail, they reported that according to Lieutenant Sean Hover, quote, we knocked on the door, said police, waited, I don't know, 10, 15 seconds, knocked again, said police, waited even longer. So it was the third time that we were approaching. It had been like 45 seconds, if not a minute, at that point. And, and then Lieutenant Sean Hoover said, quote, and then I said, let's go. Let's breach it. Now, according to Detective Michael Nobles, officers, I'm quoting again now, officers made so much noise that an upstairs neighbor came outside and had to be told to go back inside. Now, Taylor was fatally shot during the raid after plainclothes officers returned fire. Walker, who had a who I'm sorry, who had legally registered gun, says that he fired at the officers not knowing who was at the door, believing they might be intruders. Now, I tend to believe that if Based on the testimony of their neighbors, if they didn't know who was at the door, 
It was loud enough to wake them up. It was loud enough to make them panic. It was loud enough to make Walker grab his firearm. I think if you hear them yelling police, which has been verified by neighbors, was not served as a no-knock warrant. They announced themselves. They waited. It seems very difficult to imagine they weren't able to hear them shouting police. So if they're if they're just hearing the loud noises and they're hearing shouting and they can't make it out, one of two things is going on. Either they're still super groggy, sleepy, which didn't seem to be the case for Walker in the first place. Just Brianna Taylor, who supposedly, according to stories we've heard. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After the fact, had been asleep and was awoken and was standing out in the hallway when all this went down. If he wasn't still sleepy, he wasn't super groggy, he wasn't quite clearly thinking about what was going on, was simply panicked, possibly, possibly there's another reason for a lack of clarity of thought. Now, none of that matters as far as the case is concerned, but it's something to think about. Now, Hoover claimed during his testimony that he believed the officers were ambushed by the pair saying quote we were in my opinion we were ambushed they knew we were there i mean hell the neighbors knew we were there now as also outlined by the uh, daily wire uh, last wednesday uh, they were reporting on ag cameron's announcement that Witness testimony indicated officers appeared to correctly execute a search warrant on Taylor's apartment, again in connection with the drug case that the two other officers involved in the ensuing shootout with Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, were justified in their use of force because Walker fired first. Two officers in the case, of course, were cleared, and another was charged with wanton endangerment in the first degree, which comes with a maximum sentence of five years. You know, again, the officer that was shooting into the neighboring apartments while returning gunfire. Now, I, I'm not sure if this qualifies as bombshell or not, but I am curious as to what this really means in the grand scheme. Is this something that really matters? Is this something that we should be overly concerned about? I don't know. 
I don't know if this changes a thing. Oh, okay. So uh, Mr. Walker, in this case, uh, seeing that the police thought she was the one that shot them in the first place, maybe thought he would be better off if he tried to blame it on her. Really? And then decided to come clean, feeling guilty or thinking somebody would know better, realizing that the gun was his. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe none of that's true. All I know is that I don't understand why we're releasing this information in the first place. Because best case scenario, best case scenario, all it is is more of this craziness. It's more, well, stuff that was said and stuff that uh, they thought was going on, and. The angry crowd, the mob here, the, the BLM activists, they don't want to hear what the cops were thinking. It doesn't matter to them that they might have been justified in their actions because there's no question from the beginning that they were, in fact, justified in their actions once you knew the full story, once you knew the truth, not the pre-pressed, pushed-up, packaged BS that was thrown out there initially, oh, she was asleep in her bed, and oh, they were in the wrong place, and oh, no, none of that was true. They had a search warrant for that address because Brianna Taylor had involved herself with a known drug dealer. And evidently, either with or without her knowledge, he did some level of his business at her address. This much we know. So they were at the right place. And evidently, based on everything we've heard, it wasn't executed as a no-knock warrant. They didn't just bust in and start shooting up the place. There was little reason to believe that they were some random intruders. Nobody wants to talk about that. So what good does this do? What good? Maybe it satiates the mob uh, in regards to the individuals who served on the grand jury. But the angry mob shouldn't know who served on the grand jury. We demand answers. You got them. The grand jury heard the testimony, and again, the truth of the matter is we know for a fact that if – if you are motivated, you can get an indictment against a ham sandwich. It's all in how the grand jury has the evidence presented. And the angry mob wants to believe that the evidence is intentionally weighted to protect the officers because, you know, this state attorney general who just happens to be a black man in America, he's still. Uh, a white supremacist, and he's trying to protect the ultimate white supremacy of these police officers who clearly were just out hunting black folk. That's what they want the narrative to be. That's what they want the American public to believe because they can garner sympathy, and they can garner cash donations, and they can garner more and more resources to facilitate their desired Marxist Revolution. 
Don't believe me? Well, then do the research for yourself. In the meanwhile, I've blown past the halfway point of the hour by just a smidge, so let's do the Edwards Notebook, the Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day, and, uh, you know, other such goodies. You guys stay right where you're at. I'll be right back. If President Trump is not reelected, forget about it. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, I was recently in Washington, D.C., along with Zechariah 2-5 prayer warriors and patriots who hail from almost every state of the Union. We joined together in prayer for our beloved republic, the President, Congress, Senate, and all seven pillars of society. Our mission of prayers also included great institutions like the U.S. Justice Department, the military, and the government schools that they would return to their original call to properly educate students or be totally replaced. There were indeed fervent prayers against abortion and for that dreadful practice to be brought to an end. The United States is a constitutionally limited republic whose founding fathers and many others engaged in prayer seeking providential guidance, forgiveness of sins, and ultimate victory over British tyranny. Today, we the people, as re-founding fathers, beseech our heavenly creator's forgiveness of sins, his providential guidance, mercy, and ultimate victory over those seeking to destroy our beloved republic today, and for the re-election of President Trump. If not, forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Welcome, I'm Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Many veterans have been in the hospital throughout the pandemic without the ability to see family or loved ones. As a result, depression is on the rise. Here's your veterans tip of the day. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and click on the donate button to contribute an MP3 system to a veteran. You can help fight depression. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. This has been your veterans tip of the day. a WCET late-nighter today. What is a late-nighter, you ask? A late-nighter is a loyal listener who wants access to the WCET radio shows on demand and wants to contribute to the station's growth with an annual or monthly listener contribution. Late-nighters also get priority access to host call-in shows, special WCET swag, and late-nighter-only events on the network. Become an annual late-nighter and get a free WCET Stop the Censorship t-shirt sent directly to you all over the world. Just click one of Become a Late-Nighter buttons all over WCETradio.com to subscribe. Without you, there is no us. Late-Nighters, make sure you like and follow WCET Radio and all our shows on social media. Just click the channel you want at the top and bottom of our homepage. Then be sure to share with a friend and ask that friend to do the same. And you become the resistance. 
I listen to WCET every day because it's the most tremendous radio station in America. You heard the man. Nothing better. WCET FM. Talk radio like no other. This is Tim Tapp on behalf of the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Are you someone that believes that Roe v. Wade is settled law? Perhaps you think that man-caused climate change is settled science. Do you believe that CNN is the most trusted name in news? Then congratulations, you've got what it takes to be part of the Voter Apathy Project. You've already demonstrated that you don't care enough to learn that the Supreme Court has reversed itself on multiple occasions. You've also demonstrated the fact that you don't care enough to learn, well, anything about science. In fact, if you answered yes to any of these questions, then maybe you should just continue to settle for fake news. This has been Tim Tapp reminding you... That if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, maybe you should just stay home on Election Day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is indeed the Tap Into the Truth Voter Apathy Project, which is designed specifically to encourage you to, you know, learn a little something before you go vote. I don't really want you not to vote. But I can see circumstances where if you're not informed enough, and sadly a lot of people who think that they're better informed than I am really aren't. Uh, but if you're not informed, please, please, maybe you should just stay home. Just say it. All right, so things are getting crazy out there, and they continue to get a little crazier and a little crazier. And, you know, it's 2020. I, I don't know what else is left at this point. But it does feel almost as if we've gotten an entire decade's worth of crazy stuff in just the the nine months and couple of days that we've been through so far. It's been a lot. However, fortune smiles on the uh, the prepared, and the best way. The best way to be prepared is to, you know, look at what's going on and uh, make arrangements. I've often told you that uh, the only way to truly enjoy all the blessings of individual liberty is to practice individual responsibility. And a big part of individual responsibility is self-sufficiency. And there is one country, one company, one company out there, the original Patriot Supply, that's my Patriot Supply, they have been out there helping you to be self-sufficient for a while. Now, there is a link into today's show description that will take you to my Patriot Supply that will take you to the four-week kits, 2,000 calories a day. This is food that tastes good and will last you up to 25 years, but it's 2020. Tell me it doesn't already feel like at least a decade. Seriously. And the way things have been going lately, 
maybe, even though it'll last 25 years, maybe you're going to need to break into that packet sometime in the next few months. We are really just getting started in hurricane season, so natural disasters could abound. We have promises, guarantees from folks like the idea, Antifa, uh, that they're going to burn this stuff down if they don't get their way. And now COVID's then got its meaty little claws on the president. So plenty of reason for there to be unrest, plenty of reason why you might be better off having your stuff brought to you and not getting out. And at this point, in the very near future, you can't necessarily expect deliveries are going to keep coming. So no ordering your groceries from the Walmart. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to scare you. Just I want you to put some thought into this and to be prepared. So follow the link in today's show description to my page. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Patriot Supply. Uh, that way they know I sent you. And, uh, Get yourself prepared. That's all I'm saying. Also, Hero Soap Company. Got a link in the show description for them as well. The single most America first company that I know of. They're veteran owned and they turn around and they contribute to charities that work with our veterans and with first responders and with the military. And if you sign up for a subscription, then every time you get a bar of soap, they send a bar of soap to our men and women in uniforms that are serving abroad. So good stuff all the way around. They don't use a lot of harsh chemicals. It's all natural uh, and essential oils and things of that nature uh, for the scents and for the uh, the manufacturing of the product. They source all their stuff, including their merchandise from American companies. I, I just seriously, great stuff. And I also have a link in there for Lending Club today. Uh, a lot of you may be facing some financial difficulties, and it is getting harder and harder to find a loan. So if you uh, if you thought about uh, trying to get a little bit of relief by consolidating some loans or if you're looking to make a new purchase and the bank's not willing to help you out – uh, take a gander at what Lending Club might be able to do for you. Uh, it's a whole different ball game. They source uh, folks that are actually doing investing into it, that they trust that you're going to pay them back. Uh, it, it works a little like a traditional loan, but it's nothing like a traditional bank. 
so follow that link. It's just a referral from from me, so it's not like a, an affiliate thing or anything. But follow that link. Take a look at what they've got to say. If you're at BTR, uh, you can see uh, there's a working link. If you're anywhere else but that you can see the show description, but the links aren't working, again, as always, for all three companies, there is – a link that you can copy and then paste it into your search browser and it will take you there and by following those once again they just they let you know that i'm the one who sent you that's not so bad is it all right so uh, picking in the chat room as i was going over the last story and i see that uh, the chief said drug dealers are always worried about random intruders who might pretend to be the police but are actually rivals in the trade and then he says, don't ask me how I know this. Okay, we won't ask, Chief, but I kind of want to ask now. I don't know why that is. Okay, so uh, another quick hit uh, that I'm going to do since we're quickly running out of time uh, in this hour, but it's worth discussing. Uh, things are certainly going kind of uh, kind of out there. In California, not that that's a new occurrence. Things have been out there in California for a while, but uh, this headline kind of caught my attention today, and I, I don't know why we didn't hear more about it. I mean, I heard some mentioned in a few places, but it seems to be getting downplayed, probably because there's still going to be some haggling and still going to be some appeals, but it's still a victory here. Now, the judge ruled that the city of Los Angeles must pay $150,000. Not a lot for the city of Los Angeles, right? $150,000 to the NRA. Why? Why do they have to pay $150,000 to the NRA? Well, let's take a look at the story. Uh, a federal judge ruled this week that city officials in Los Angeles must pay the National Rifle Association a six-figure settlement after violating the gun rights group's First Amendment rights. Now, according to the Washington Free Beacon, Judge Stephen Wilson blocked an ordinance late last year that would have forced companies to disclose connections with the NRA in order to receive government contracts. Now, he's followed that up by placing an order that now says that city officials have to pay for the Second Amendment group's attorney's fees, which are reportedly totaling somewhere around 150000 Now, back in December of 2019, Wilson ruled that, quote, the text of the ordinance, the ordinance legislative history, and the concurrent public statements made by the ordinance's primary legislative sponsors evidence a strong intent to, sus to suppress the speech of the NRA. Wilson added to that, saying, quote, even though the ordinance only forces disclosure of activity that may not be expressive, the clear purpose of the disclosure is to undermine the NRA's explicitly political speech. The city has no interest in the suppression of political advocacy, regardless of how distasteful it finds the content. The ordinance is therefore incompatible with the Constitution and 
plaintiffs are likely to be successful on the merits of their First Amendment speech claims. So at the time, the NRA, who filed the lawsuit against the city after the ordinance's implementation back in last April, celebrated the ruling, of course, as a First Amendment win, saying, quote, this is an important win for the NRA, our members, and all who believe in America's constitutional freedoms. So in an update, the NRA spokeswoman Amy Hunter said, quote, the courts have rightfully imposed those consequences upon Los Angeles. The NRA will continue our fight and, as always, work to uphold uh, the Second Amendment and to hold politicians accountable. The Free Beacon also noted that neither Democratic Mayor Eric Garcetti nor Democratic Council Member Mitch O'Farrell, both of whom sponsored the ordinance, uh, neither of these were named in the lawsuit. So, uh, well, actually they were named in the lawsuit, but neither of them responded when requested for comment. So now that they struck down the ordinance, they then turned around and said the city has to pay for the legal fees to have fought against the city in the first place. I'm I'm left kind of shaking my head. I am. I, I'm I'm sitting here and I'm wishing this story was made a little more public. It was a clear case of bullying by city council. They wanted to starve out the NRA in Los Angeles. They wanted to make sure that no one in the city of Los Angeles could do business with the city if they had any level of affiliation with the NRA. And they wanted that information not just to say, no, we're not going to do business with you, but they clearly wanted it to weaponize it against those businesses who might make a contribution, those businesses who might have an owner that is a member. They wanted to weaponize that information. They wanted to dox people. They wanted to do these things, and this federal judge saw through their BS and called it out for what it is and took the First Amendment route to protect the Second Amendment defenders. Now, I myself personally think there's other organizations like Gun Owners of America that are better at what the NRA claims to do, but there is no doubt the NRA has more money. In fact, the reason they have more money is because they practically harass people once you join them to, to keep you there. Now, a lot of people, they don't have to. But I'm not a big fan of their tactics, but the, the National Rifle Association has every right to conduct their business in the state of California just like every American citizen that lives in the state of California has their constitutionally protected Second Amendment rights that they should be able to exercise. It's not anybody else's business if you have an affiliation of any kind with the National Rifle Association. It's not the business of the city council. It's not the business of the angry mobs roaming the streets of Los Angeles. It is the business of the National Rifle Association and the individual 
who is conducting said business, whether they do it on a personal level and happen to own a business or if they happen to own a business and make that connection through the business. There's nothing illegal about it. Therefore, it's none of your business. So this was a big win. And I like it. I think more people should be held accountable for this foolishness. That way you can eventually see an end to a lot of these frivolous, we're going to tie you up in red tape and we're going to take you to court and stretch it out for years. And we're going to try to bankrupt you so that even though you're right, before it's all said and done, you're just going to be too broke to keep fighting. And then we win. Ha ha ha. I want to see an end to that. We need more. Of an end to that quick shout out to bringing it boy who just snuck in the chat room and evidently New Orleans wake up has been popping in and popping out. Don't know if he's having a hard time staying in, uh, possibly a BTR thing, or if he's just not liking what I'm saying. Either way, what else? All right, so I'm about to have to say goodbye to the folks listening live at WCET and to anybody who's listening to the rebroadcast wherever they may be doing. So uh, if you're listening to KYAH. 540 AM, Utah Stock Authority, or KDIL, 105.7 FM, Kennewick, Washington, or KOII, 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona, or the rebroadcast on uh, WCET, for that matter. Then this is the end of the first hour, so this is the end of our time together right now, most likely. Now, some of the stations actually do play two-hour blocks, and if that's the case, you guys don't go anywhere. But in case I'm saying goodbye to you right now, I want to say just a few things. First and foremost, don't take my word for any of it. Go do your due diligence. Go do your own homework. You really need to not take my word for it, not take the other side's word for it, but use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, guys, please stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, be smart, even if that does kind of go against your nature. Uh, for those of you who are live. But for those of you who are here live right now at BTR, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts after this. For the rest of you, bye for now. Tune in again tomorrow. Same tap time, same tap channel. Seems like a thousand years since we had real fears. But the old ones won't forget These broken levee walls Had a few close calls But they haven't fallen yet And you know the rain coming The rain coming All your days and all your nights It brings a storm on you When the sun beats down and it bakes the ground And you watch the rich land die Such a vicious drought Even hopes in doubt But there are no clouds in the sky But you know the rain coming The rain coming All your days and all your nights It brings the storm on you when you feel the first drop fall When it kisses your skin The storm will begin To bring with it promise of change When you hear the thunder roll The lightning begun to flood
because of foreign wars we wage More to do with the colors blue and red You said you lost too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free
and basically just touched on a lot of stuff that there's still a lot of more information to come out. So we didn't dive too deeply into much of any of it. Just a few thoughts and impressions. But before we get any further along, I do want to give a shout out to all the folks that are hanging out with me in the chat room. That includes blogger extraordinaire Bigfoot. You can check out his stuff over at bigfootsplace.blogspot.com. We got Bringing It Boy in the house who joined us just as we switched over to the second hour. Glad to have uh, Boy with us because that usually means that somewhere nearby listening in the background, we also have Suzette, who is, of course, the host of Suzette Live program you can find over at Spreaker. Just search for the Ideas Are Bulletproof Network, and you'll find our show. Well worth it. Uh, New Orleans Wake Up has joined us. Or at least he's back in for the moment. He's been popping in and out. I'm going to assume since he keeps popping in, that means that he's probably having some technical issues, uh, probably a BTR thing. I uh, don't know if that's the case, but either way, uh, glad to see you here, sir. Welcome back. And then, of course, we've got uh, Chief hanging out with us as well. He's the host of a great show in his own right. It's called Simple Facts of Life. He does 30 minutes of exactly that, breaking down a few simple facts of life. But he does it in a way that you maybe you see coming, maybe you don't. Sometimes he takes topical news stories to make that happen. Oh, New Orleans is cooking. Okay. Gotcha. Uh Something good, I trust. Uh, I would imagine something tasty. Anyway, uh, I'm just now he mentioned the magic word. I, I'm making myself hungry because while it is uh, 8 p.m. here in the Eastern Time Zone, I haven't had my dinner this evening yet, so I'm starting to get a little hungry. So just the word got me. I'm, now I'm salivating and I'm uh, hearing my tummy growl. Uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> okay, uh, bring it up, boy. Says Suzette's waving at me right now, too. By the way, so uh, uh, waving back. Thank you, Suzette. Okay, um, yeah, Chief. I, I haven't told you the best part. Just in case you've never heard the show before, and you're like, why would you mention the guy's show and then never say? You can hear Simple Facts of Life right here at the home broadcasting platform of BlogTalkRadio.com. Just put in BlogTalkRadio.com. And uh, in that little search bar you'll see at the top, just put in Simple Facts of Life. That's the easiest thing to do. Scroll down a little bit. You'll find the show. It'll be great. Uh, New Orleans says he's frying up redfish that he caught today. He's just – now he's determined to distract me with some good eats. Sounds awesome. Okay. Uh, let's get – on to the stories because as I mentioned at the top of, of the first hour, I do have a scheduled guest joined – well, I, I should say a scheduled guest uh, to join me. Uh, I have to be careful because uh, you know sometimes these things don't work out, and when it seems like whenever I get overconfident that, yes, definitely this person is going to be here, is usually when something silly happens. And clearly, uh, based on some of the conversations that I've had earlier, there have been a few hiccups on the BTR platform, so hopefully nothing like that tonight. But I'm scheduled to be joined by Jonathan Jakubowski. Uh, he's, of course, the author of Bellwether Blues. And uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the attacks levied towards Judge Amy Coney Barrett based on her faith. But I'm probably going to talk a little bit more about the book because it's – once I got into reading it, uh, I, I think it's a very good read, and I think it's uh, something that's an important 
important message actually. It's not that dissimilar to some things that I've been saying for a while, but it has a uh, a great thread in so much as after he lays the groundwork. Excuse me. After he lays the groundwork, he then tells the stories of some individuals who have made this particular journey. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation, and I hope I can pull it off as well as it deserves to be done. In the meanwhile, there's a couple of stories I would like to try to get to before uh, that happens, and it's always, always a struggle for me to sneak two stories in to a 30-minute time period because I do tend to just go on. But I won't spend too much time on this first one. So how about that? That'll be the compromise. And it's not all that surprising, but something that you may have missed, one of these headlines that have kind of been brushed to the side, and that's the fact that there are thousands of Honduran migrants that are headed to the U.S. as boundaries between countries in Central America have been reopened amid the coronavirus pandemic. Now, according to the Associated Press, they reported Today, as of the live broadcast, that of course being Friday, October the 2nd, that around 2,000 Hondurans have entered Guatemala as part of a caravan headed to the U.S. border. Now, the Guatemalan president said that he would detain these migrants and send them back to Honduras, calling this caravan a health threat due to the coronavirus pandemic. As stating here, this being a quote, that was printed in the Associated Press. The order has been given to detain all those who entered illegally and return them to the border of their country. We will not allow any foreigner who has used illegal means enter the country to think that they have the right to come and infect us and put us at serious risk. So the migrants were supposed to be registered as they crossed into Guatemala, but the caravans pushed their way past the limited number of Guatemalan police and soldiers and entered the country. The AP reported that a 15-year-old who traveled with his three friends and neighbors was looking to live, quote, the American dream and hoping to support his six-month-old son who was back in Honduras. Now, this 15-year-old has a six-month-old kid. There's no work. The necessity strangles you. Hmm. I get it. Things are tough. So the AP reported that at least one migrant had already died within the first hours of the caravan crossing into Guatemala. The person had tried to climb aboard a moving flatbed trailer but fell underneath it instead, it didn't fare very well. Social media chatters planning uh, a new migrant caravan reportedly began weeks ago with a planned departure date set for October 1st. So we've got the continuation of the caravans. For the longest time, I would have thought that the one thing that COVID-19 did that was a positive is it made all of these countries take their boundaries, take their borders a little more seriously. They took a little stronger control. We haven't had – since COVID, we haven't had these caravans just 
making their way, grouping up and pushing forward and coming from Central America. We haven't had to see this much. Obviously, COVID is not gone. COVID is still an issue. And the Guatemalans are right to be concerned. The Hondurans should be too. And at the end of the day, I don't know how effective the Guatemalans are going to be at stopping this. And again, I don't know how effective the Mexicans are going to be at stopping it once it gets past Guatemala. We'll see what happens. It could potentially be dangerous this go around because let's let's be honest for a moment. We've seen the resurgence of a lot of diseases that had been practically eradicated here in the United States because of uncontrolled crossing of our southern border. It was already a health issue, and it's it's a modern tragedy. I mean, it really is tragic. I I feel bad. For these people, I do. I honestly do. I know lots of times conservatives are just portrayed as these heartless, mean sons of guns who have no business even speaking on humanitarian issues. But at the end of the day, sometimes the most humane thing you can do is offer up a little tough love and expect folks to fix things where they're at. If everyone adopted the same idea, then there would be no place to go because there would be no place where things are going right because everybody would just keep moving and would just keep ruining it. Eventually, somebody has to take a stand. Somebody has to say, we're fixing this, whatever that takes. That's kind of ingrained in the DNA of America. Anyway, I've already taken longer on that story than I intended to. This story, however, is more than just a quick FYI, just so you know the the caravans are back. This one kind of concerns me. See, the American Psychological Association for a while now has been – Saying and doing some things that have either raised my eyebrow or raised my antenna or just flat out raised my blood pressure. They've been arguing that pedophilia is nothing more than another sexual identity, just another lifestyle choice, if you will. They've made all kinds of arguments in regards to the best way to treat. Uh, the gender dysphoria issue is through hormones, uh, blockers, and mutilations of the bodies of children as young as five or six. They said these things, and yet they continue to try to outwoke themselves. Their latest, well, the American Psychological Association right now has garnered a lot of attention because of the publication of a recent statement against systemic racism in the U.S. culture. The APA, of course, is, according to their website, the leading scientific and professional organization representing psychological 
um, and representing psychology in the United States with more than 121,000 researchers, educators, uh, clinicians, consultants, and students as its members. The statement called for, quote, true systemic change in the U.S. culture. Of course, blaming the issue of the U.S. partially on capitalism to boot. The statement published in September said that, quote, the association is working to dismantle institutional racism over the long term, including within APA and psychology. APA said it, it believes that battling systemic racism inequalities that still exist today requires the help of psychological research, treatment, and leadership to effectuate systemic change against the racism pandemic. Now, I sorry, it feels like they're reaching a little far here. Uh, the language here in an attempt to sound like we're just as important as COVID-19. Come on, guys. We got most of you wearing masks. We got most of you out there uh, just hiding in your closets. Uh, pay attention. We want to be that relevant. We want to have that same level of authority. I, I'm not sure I trust these guys anymore, though. There was a time when I would have took this seriously. I would have. There was a time when I would have seen the APA and I would have been all like, well, gee, these, these guys are the professionals. But I've watched what they've had to say about the, quote, transabled. I've seen what they've had to say about transgender, the gender dysphoria sufferers. I've seen what they've said about pedophiles, and I'm to the point where I no longer believe that we can take a single thing these folks say as meaning jack. And now it appears they want to jump on the critical race theory bandwagon. They want to jump on this idea, this notion that somehow all of America has always been racist. There's no getting away from it. And because it's systemic, we have to work to end that systemic racism. I'm sorry. It's not systemic. It's not baked into the systems. It's really not. I don't know why anybody still gets away with saying it is. There's far too many people who simply don't have the gumption, the spine, the intestinal fortitude to stand up and say, you're wrong. Look, is there racism? Yes, and sadly, that's never going to go away. There's always going to be some jack wagon somewhere that's going to be all like, yeah, I hate you. Why? I don't like the way you look. What about the way I look? You don't like my hair, dude? No, it, it's, you're the wrong color, man. There's always going to be somebody like that. And there's always going to be somebody like that in every group of people. There's always going to be some Asian guy over here who's racist towards this Mexican. There's always going to be some Honduran who's racist against me. They call me gringo and make fun of me and all kinds of stuff. It's a good thing I have thick skin and don't have to hide in the cry closet. That's always going to exist. But the idea of it being baked into the DNA of America is so asinine because we have made strides together. 
critical race theory works to divide us. It's a failing of a legitimate look at history. There were promises made in the founding documents of this nation that we are still today trying to move forward to living up to. We're not there. But if you look at where we started from when we first wrote it to where we got to today, even today when everybody feels like they're so divided, when everybody feels like we are literally on the cusp of a new civil war, you look at the difference between where we were then and where we are now. We've been taking these strides together. It's only when you choose to ignore that history, that shared history, where we have fought against each other and where we have fought together to move forward. So when you ignore that, when you don't acknowledge the strides we've made, that it feels like it's systemic. It's one of the reasons why I didn't like the idea of tearing down Civil War monuments. It was an effort to hide that part of our history. That makes it easier to have the conversation that it's it's systemic. It's always been there. I'm not saying we revere these people. I'm saying you leave that information out there in the public square to start that conversation so you can say this is where we were at at this point. This is where we're at today. We can walk through this park, and we can see the statue, and we can talk about what a genuine son of a gun that guy right there was. Do we still have challenges? Yes. Are they the same challenges as they were then? No. Is racism systemic within the United States? Hardly. It's because of those promises that were made in the founding documents that we've been able to move forward. And now the APA wants to turn around and say, oh, no, uh, critical race theory is right, and we've all got to do our part. It's all about white fragility. But is it? Does anybody really think that every white person is racist just because they're white? Doesn't that on its face – sound racist? Aren't you engaging in the soft racism of low expectations when you decide that now instead of the the actual struggle where it was for the longest time, the dream of Martin Luther King Jr., for example, where he wanted people literally in his famous speech talked about his children waiting for the day that they would be judged based on the content of their character – Are we moving in the other direction now? We're moving away from integration and people standing based on who they are and what they're capable of, and now want to go back to, well, now we have to judge you based on what color you are because otherwise it's just not fair. You literally have, what is it, the city of San Francisco that's looking to to pay pregnant women money, but only if they happen to be black or uh, Pacific Asian. It's like, hello, I am from a Polynesian nation. Oh, okay, well, here's you some money. Hello, uh, I happen to be a white uh, pregnant lady. No, you don't get any. First of all, why are you giving people money just for being pregnant in the first place? I don't get that. Your city seems like it could spend its money on other things, like maybe cleaning up all the poop. But I digress. The more you make things about color, 
the more you're going to encourage racism, not discourage it. And the more we use the idea of the critical race theory, and the more that we even entertain the notion somehow that systemic racism is a real thing, the harder it's going to be to move back in the direction that we were before. And the direction that we were moving before was the right direction. This is a big left turn. This is a big move in the wrong direction, boys and girls. This is – well, it's racist. I mean literally at this point, what is defined as racist in the minds of those who prostitute for the critical race theory is anything they disagree with. If you point out even one simple flaw in their supposed logic… You, too, must be a racist. If you happen to be somebody that's a member of the walk-away movement, ah, you're racist, no matter what color you are, no matter what else you think. If you disagree with these people, they want to own you. They want to destroy you. They want to dox you. It's, it's absolutely insanity. I want to return to dealing with actual liberals instead of all these leftists. At least liberals understood that a, a diversity of thought is – just as important. They understood that a diversity in a nation that has a common binding tie, that has a common goal at the end, is a strength. But you take that same level of diversity where there is no common bond, where there is no common goal, and it becomes a weakness and can eventually become the death of a nation. I don't know about you guys, but that's not what I want. I want a nation that's strong. I want a nation that stands together as we have in the past. I want a nation that recognizes we have our flaws, we have our foibles, and we have a million people in this country that if we met face-to-face and had to have a conversation with, we probably would hate their guts. But we know they're still Americans. And there's still certain things we would do for one another, even if we didn't like them. Why do I want that? Because that's a nation that can move forward. That's a nation that can put these promises that were made in the founding documents into practice. That's a nation that eventually can get where we're trying to go. All right, we're creeping up on about the halfway point of the hour, so let me do that usual thing where we'll do the uh, Edwards Notebook, the songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day, and, you know, hopefully have our guests on the other end. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. In America's Midwest epicenter of high school football, Ohio, Two football players were recently suspended from their Little Miami High School football team. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Little Miami High School football cornerback Brady Williams and linebacker Jared Bentley were recently booted off their football team for daring to honor both police officers and firefighters by carrying thin blue line and thin red line flags onto the football field before a recent game. The players were told not to carry those flags because school officials frown upon such displays of appreciation for police and firefighters who literally put their lives on the line every single day. 
the players wanted to give special honor to the firefighters and police officers on the 19th anniversary of September 11, 2001 terrorist attack. Little Miami local school officials expressed a bit of sadness over the overwhelming negative response they have received for literally discouraging young Americans from honoring our nation's heroes. Perhaps those leftist school officials would better serve their students by encouraging positive, bold actions, including honoring our heroes. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Welcome, I'm Dan Perkins with your songs and stories for soldiers, veterans, tip of the day. Many veterans have been in the hospital throughout the pandemic without the ability to see family or loved ones. As a result, depression is on the rise. Here's your veterans tip of the day. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us and click on the donate button to contribute an MP3 system to a veteran. You can help fight depression. Go to songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. This has been your veterans tip of the day. Become a WCET late-nighter today. What is a late-nighter, you ask? A late-nighter is a loyal listener who wants access to the WCET radio shows on demand and wants to contribute to the station's growth with an annual or monthly listener contribution. Late-nighters also get priority access to host call-in shows, special WCET swag, and late-nighter-only events on the network. Become an annual late-nighter and get a free WCET Stop the Censorship t-shirt sent directly to you all over the world. Just click one of Become a Late-Nighter buttons all over WCETradio.com to subscribe. Without you, there is no us. Hello, America. Hello, Americans. Tim Tapp here again for the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Are you someone that believes that taking guns away from law-abiding citizens makes America safer? Do you believe that fewer police in the communities that are suffering from the highest rates of crime is a good idea? Do you believe that Hollywood celebrities are so much smarter than the rest of us that we should listen to what they have to say and live our lives the way they want us to? Then congratulations, you've got what it takes to be part of the Voter Apathy Project. You've already demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand why the framers created the Second Amendment in the first place. You've also demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand crime statistics and why they matter. And you've also demonstrated that you're simply not willing to think for yourself. So if you've said yes to any of those questions, maybe instead of going to go vote, you should just go watch another movie. This has been Tim Tapp reminding you that if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, you should just stay home on Election Day. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Thanks for staying with me through that very brief break. And, of course, that last little bit you heard is the Voter Apathy Project. It seems almost a moot point at this level. I, I can't imagine anybody would be too awful excited about voting this year, would they? Uh, no, of course, I want to remind you, you can stop sending me all the little hate mail. I'm not really encouraging you not to vote. It's satire, boys and girls. I just want you to learn. Before you vote, if you don't know what you're voting about, how can you be expected to make a reasonable choice at the ballot box? That's all I'm saying. It's funny how certain people get it and certain people don't. Anyway, we are back at it. Thank you so much for being here, and it is my honor and it's a privilege to welcome to the show a first-time guest. He is the author of The Bellwether Blues, A Conservative Awakening of the Millennial Soul. Uh, please welcome to the show Mr. Jonathan Jakubowski. Uh, I hope I didn't butcher your last name too bad there, Jonathan. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Tim. You nailed it. Uh, well, all right then. I am doing better than I usually do then. <laughs> all right. Uh, of course, I initially wanted to bring you on to talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts in regards to how the swing states are going to react to the attacks on Judge Amy Coney Barrett in regards to her faith. But i got to tell you, the more I got into reading your book, and I haven't completely finished it yet, but I'm powering through it. I'm almost done. i got to tell you that I almost just want to talk about the book, but I figure we probably ought to talk about the topical uh, subject first. Uh, so let's spend a little time talking about that, and let's talk about your book because it is a fantastic read, sir, and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for writing it. No, thank you. It's my honor, and it's shocked me as to how well it's been received, and for people like you to read it means a great deal. Uh, that's kind of an author's dream is that what you write will inspire, uplift, and motivate. So um, I'm hearing country, it, it means a lot. All right. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Amy Coney Barrett business first. We'll we'll dedicate a little bit of time to that topic because, again, one of the things you really focused on when you were putting uh, uh, your work together is you focused on a swing county. You really made the case that certain counties really can make the difference in the swing states. But there is a general feel uh, that right now we're back to seeing – uh, a, a true attack that, that somehow the idea, the notion of freedom of religion uh, isn't really an acceptable idea, at least by certain office holders. And it's a fear of the faith itself. But in these swing states, uh, in the places that it matters most, in the heartland, in the flyover country, faith still plays a big part in the average voter's mind, even those who typically tend to vote Democrat. So how do you see this little uh, political theater playing out uh, and uh, your thoughts on how this works in those critical areas? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tim. It, there's a lot of difference between swing states and mainland America and the coast and the beltway in D.C. And I think in many cases the, there's this question that in these conversations uh, at dinner that uh, liberals and progressives have asking, you know, who are these these crazy flyover country people, and what are they thinking, and what do they believe? And I think because of the lack of knowledge and understanding as to some of the, the core fundamental beliefs that shape society in places like Northwest Ohio and Wood County, Ohio, which is where I come from, uh, that lack of recognition leads them to see that the attacks that they make 
um, individuals like Amy Coney Barrett, who is a woman of resounding faith who lived in South Bend, Indiana, attending Notre Dame, whose faith informs the way she lives life. She's held to a higher standard of ethics and accountability because of it. Um, when, when they attack people like her, they're attacking people like us. We recognize those attacks, and people in these swing counties and swing states really uh, have, have trouble as they see those attacks with the way that those attacks are being sent out. They see them as disingenuous. They see them, they see them as bigoted. They see them as reflecting a reality that, that is not even close to what we live in on the day-to-day in, in mainland America. Yeah. Uh, it's it's mind-boggling to, to continue to see the same playbook over and over again, and that is kind of one of the other themes in your book is how there's a playbook that's in play, and now both sides are trying to use uh, – both sides politically – trying to use the same playbook now instead of uh, a more direct and individual approach. Uh, as As you look at this, it, it's just – I don't know. I, I, I start to struggle for the right words with this because it's so infuriating that here we are in 2020 in America, and somebody wants to act like your actual resume means nothing, and you're going to be able to get away with making personal attacks because it's not as if Judge Barrett doesn't have an extensive background in adjudicating cases. She has proven time and time again she is capable of separating her personal belief and then making judgments based on the law, and yet these attacks are allowed to stand. Uh, Are you seeing people, average everyday people, pushing back against this? Are you hearing the grumblings amongst your inner circle about how this is such a disingenuous thing? Well, I think a lot of the people here in uh, Swing County, America, as I call it, um, are waiting to see. Um, We saw what happened with the Kavanaugh vote, and while there was uh, this conversation around a blue wave happening in Ohio, the reason it didn't is largely because of the Kavanaugh attacks that were launched, which awakened an entire base of people who were otherwise apathetic voting during a midterm election. And Ohio set midterm records. We, had an, we have an unprecedented uh, majority, Republicans do, in the House and the Senate. We won all the statewide offices, and the Kavanaugh attacks were a big part of that. And while the launches, the launches of attacks we have not yet heard because they haven't gone into hearings, I think people in, uh, in here in Wood County and in other counties like us and throughout America are really paying close attention to whether or not the, the left is going to follow the rules for radicals playbook, which they have been following in virtually every scenario over the last few years. Uh, and if they do, I think it's going to have devastating consequences on their uh, expectations um, in this coming election. I think you're right, and I think we've seen that, and it continues to amaze me as well that uh, the legacy media hasn't quite figured it out. The political operatives still haven't quite figured it out, but those of us who are just simply paying attention can see it for what it is. Uh, now I'm, I want to swing to the book now. I, 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 that's about all I can do now. i got to talk about the book because I really am enjoying it to this point because – It does kind of encapsulate a few things that I've been saying for a while, and it kind of feels like a little bit of my own uh, uh, bias confirmation, if you will. (laughs) But uh, I I myself am not a millennial, uh, but your case is made based on millennials, and I have to admit that I have 
on occasion uh, engaged in that same divisive uh, statements about the stereotypical millennial activity. But in truth, I have seen a lot of millennials that don't fall into that category, and I haven't been as quick as I should be to acknowledge that. And uh, one of the things that you do right off the bat is you start making the case that here you are, you're part of that group. Uh, you have millennial friends. You you went to college at uh, Bowling Green, and, and you did uh, you you moved into this professional life. And in the course of all this, you weren't seeing a whole lot of these stereotypical activities. And you decided to start digging into the information and the statistics, and you really started looking at that point. And this was before you started thinking about swing counties, swing states, and making that assertion. It was it really kind of tips off where you're laying out the groundwork, and you're kind of setting off on this notion to decide for yourself, are the stereotypical traits of the millennials – even an honest portrayal of what most millennials are. Was that actually the trigger point that started formulating this book, or did that still come a little later? Well, I think that was a trigger point that was a part of my life, because uh, after undergrad at Bowling Green, I ended up at graduate school at Georgetown. And I tell a little bit about my story as kind of a preface for the seven stories that I talk about in Wood County of millennials who changed their voting patterns from Obama to Trump, from liberal to conservative. Uh, but I talk, talk about my story because when I was in graduate school at Georgetown, I was around all of these very left of center progressives uh, who understood their conviction, why they believed what they believed and why they loved President Obama. And at that time, he was just coming into office. It was 2008. And I was impressed. I, I didn't really have any arguments that I could deliver that made me think, well, you know, there's an alternative opinion here. So I kind of got into the center. I became skeptical, frustrated and disillusioned. But when I returned home after that season in D.C. and had it started growing a family and started reading about the foundation of America, understanding the historical roots, understanding the truths around the political parties, that awakened me. I had my own conservative awakening as the subtitle is a conservative awakening of the millennial soul. And that really changed my perspective. But the book didn't start officially until 2018 when I received a call from the New York, uh, New York University who was doing research on swing counties and swing states. And they said of 3,142 counties, there are only 59 in the nation that voted twice for Bush, twice for Obama, and once for Trump. And my county, Wood County, happened to be one of those counties. So that, that recognition really launched me into this investigation. And I really want to understand because Wood County, relatively speaking, is a younger county. Our average age is around 40 years of age. So we have a lot of millennials that are in, invested in this election. And naturally, Wood County went for Trump in 16. So there were a lot of millennials that made that shift from 12 to 16. And I want to understand why and what is the empirical evidence, what's the, the anecdotal data that we see here locally. And complementing those things really led to this compilation of research that uh, made me deliver the claims that I make. And that is that essentially millennials in mainland America and places like Wood County, Ohio, are very different from the stereotypical millennials that are on the coast. A millennial in Seattle or in Portland is very different from a millennial in Bowling Green, Ohio. A different story, different background, different history, different uh, adulting, if you would, phases in life. They, the millennials here in mainland America probably marry earlier. They get a job earlier. It's, it's a different perspective and different worldview, and that largely informs the way that millennials in mainland America vote. Right. So essentially 
what we're talking about is the environment still being one where uh, the I, I hate to even phrase it like this because I don't think it's even a fair statement, but uh, it, it feels natural to me to say the common sense of becoming an adult and having to be responsible. Uh, it, it feels unfair, but I still think there's a, a, a ring of truth to it that, that that really is what allows the flyover country, uh, if you will, millennial to be a completely different political animal. Uh, is is there any other factors that you see there uh, that has played into this more open uh, idea of being able to look at candidates, look at policies, as opposed to just follow a party line? Because that's kind of where a lot of this still plays out at the political side. Uh, you're told to follow this candidate. You want to be there, and, and there seems to be such a level of loyalty, and then there's almost a fear to leave the tribe, if you will, because of cancel culture. Is there mm -hmm. less cancel culture uh, in Wood County than you would expect to find in Seattle? Well, so, yeah, that's an important distinction. And uh, in part one of the book, I, I describe this phenomenon that's shaping mainland America. And what I found is that many of those millennials, that one of the causal factors is some of these, uh, these contextual differences with uh, growing a family, getting a job. But that doesn't bring them to the conservative side. That moves them away from the left. As the left has gone radically left of center, it's left many millennials in its wake. And those are the millennials that are skeptical, frustrated, and disillusioned with politics, with parties, with personalities, with politicians. They're very, very frustrated, and that's why they have a case of the blues, which is the title of the book, Bellwether Blues. Uh, but to win them all the way over to embrace conservative candidates and the conservative platform takes another set of factors. And that's why I step into the journeys of these seven millennials in Wood County, Ohio, to understand what it was about their lives that led them to shift all the way from the left to the right. And that leads me then finally, I conclude the book in part three, where I look at uh, critique of modern methods of conservative persuasion and why uh, conservatives are getting it wrong today, how we can be more persuasive at reaching younger generations and really doing it through in intentional individual relationship and mentorship. Uh, so the first factor is, is happening is in mainland America, there's a lot of millennials that are frustrated with the left but there's a lot of work that needs to be done to get them to cross all the way over to embrace conservative principles. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I think really makes your book stand out is that you chose seven individuals that fit the, the criteria. You laid out that criteria. They had uh, been Obama voters, and they made the switch over to Trump voter in 16, and – that was one of the criteria, but you, you laid out the criteria, the folks you were looking for, and you told their stories. And like in your book, you, you mentioned that these are just average everyday people. You know, they're they're not famous, they're not well known, they're not local politicians, they're they're just regular average Americans who had a story to tell and they saw something and they made this change. I think – again, I kind of already touched on cancel culture. I think it takes a great deal of courage to be willing to allow you to showcase them in such a fashion uh, because of the mob mentality, especially on social media these days. It is hard to escape from. So again, what you did with this case though, and thankfully they were uh, – were See, I, I'm I'm enjoying it so much. I'm literally stumbling all over trying to get to my point, so I apologize. But uh, no you take you take a technique 
that the conservative side of the argument often fails at doing, uh, and you make it personal. You understand that, yes, facts and figures are important, but at the same time, it is those personal stories that make the most lasting impressions on people and have the most success at getting to the individuals that took the time to listen to those stories to actually change their minds. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, cancel culture absolutely exists, even in mainland America and flyover country, to use your term there. Um, and so do social media pressures, big techs everywhere. Like, it's it's ever-present, right? It's per, it prevails in all of our lives, seemingly. And uh, the influences of education, the influences of history, uh, th- these things are a reality. They're the things that millennials um, in mainland America still deal with, maybe less so, however. I would say that the pressure, the peer pressure and all that is a lot less here than it would be in Portland, Oregon, for example. Yet, at the same time, I, I think that the, the millennial nonetheless still has to deal with these things. And the process or the journey to that awakening requires individuals that will step into their lives to help them recognize that principles and voting on the basis of principle leads to human flourishing. It will change their lives in a way that positively impacts their future and the future of generations to follow. And as these millennials mature and as they have kids, it really changes one's worldview. So it's, it's being able to tie together, almost like threading a needle, uh, tying together the compassion that principles demonstrate and how the, the principles uh, lead to human flourishing, along with the policies themselves and the policies that candidates stand for. And while that's not easy to do, one who is gifted in persuasion and one who understands what these principles are, if they develop the relationship with these individuals that develops a currency of trust, that millennial will be open to listening to what you have to say. And if you can communicate that, it's going to change them. And in the seven stories in the book, that was the one common thread that I saw. They were all very different, different backgrounds, different stories, different principles that motivated them, different, different issues in life, different ways that they, have, uh, they approached the ballot box. But one common thread was there were people in their lives who cared enough, cared enough about them to invest in their lives and to have these deep conversations with them that helped move the needle over time. And yeah, I, I think it is still indicative of the millennial generation in particular that they are also still looking for what they can deem to be authentic. I think that was a big yeah. uh, selling point for uh, Bernie Sanders, even though I, I don't mm-hmm. like Bernie Sanders' politics. Uh, you know, I, I'm not into socialism, but the one thing that uh, the Bernie bros really took from him is they believed that he was genuine. When the mm-hmm. corporate Democrats were not, and they lost yeah. a lot of faith in him when he kind of seemed to have slowed down, but they are looking for that genuineness, and they're willing to listen when they feel like you have a general uh, and authentic uh, concern for their well-being. So it, it is a selling point that they're paying attention and that uh, that it can be accomplished, but uh, you, you do point out on more than one occasion how uh, conservatives now, uh, they, they've kind of moved into trying to take up a lot of the same tactics that the left has been uh, trying to use. And uh, a lot of the folks who are waking up to the salesmanship are the ones that are feeling uh, disenfranchised. So I, I, do, uh, I do really appreciate the point of view and a lot of the information that you share in here. It's just amazing stories, and it's a message that a lot of folks in my age bracket and uh, the older ones could benefit from reading because uh, it would be good for us to remind ourselves that we are still talking about, uh, number one, 
uh, everyone who's a millennial is now at least 24 years old. Uh, so they're mm-hmm. all out here voting, and uh, they're in positions of leadership. They're in positions to become thought leaders. And I think a lot of us have not engaged in a meaningful way uh, because of these preconceived notions. So it's a strong message yeah. for us older folks, but at the same time, it's always a good reminder uh, that we keep in mind that uh, we are fellow Americans. Uh, yeah, that's there's right. Room for that's disagree- right. There's room for disagreement, but we've got to understand how to talk to one another. And millennials are not hard to talk to. We just need to invest the time to do it. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me this evening. I greatly appreciate it. I know you've been super busy. You've been making the rounds uh, uh, just about everywhere, uh, talking about the book and uh, talking about the, the political scenes as well. Uh, I I can't express my thanks enough to you. Please, before you go, though, let everybody know where they can find the book. And if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, share that. Any websites you want to share, just Anything at all, go ahead and uh, put it out there right yeah, now. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thank you. It's an absolute honor. I, I would just say, first of all, I appreciate your, your final comments. You know, hope is a force multiplier. The moment when we lose hope in a generation is the moment when we've lost the generation. So I think it's critical for all Americans of every age to recognize that even when somebody believes differently or thinks differently than we do, they're not a lost cause. They have God-given potential just like all of us, and the Declaration of Independence, which frames these inalienable rights, includes these individuals. So I think hope can make a tremendous difference, and I encourage your listeners to embrace hope for future generations. Uh, The book can be found anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes & Noble. Uh, It's in audio format. It's in Kindle format. And uh, we have a website where we have videos of the seven stories of millennials at bellweatherbluesbook.com. And then my personal uh, Twitter handle is John Jakubowski, just J-O-N. Um, and we also have a Facebook page and Instagram page for uh, Bellwether Blues itself. Uh, it's been an honor to be on with you, Tim. Thanks so much for that invitation. It's really great to, to be a part of what you're doing. All right. Well, the honor is all mine, I assure you, and thank you so much. Keep up the good work, and uh, I hope we'll uh, – have a, a lot of success to report about on uh, the sales with uh, Bellwether and the message spreading. And uh, honestly, I'm hoping there's going to be a follow-up because uh, this one's too good to be standalone, sir. Uh, I, I, I want to well, see well, more. You. All right. Uh, love to get together and talk again sometime soon. And in the meanwhile, Godspeed to you. Hey, Godspeed as well. God bless you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that, of course, is Mr. Jonathan Jakubowski. And there is a link in the show description today uh, to the Amazon page for uh, the book Bellwether Blues, A Conservative Awakening of a Millennial Soul. It it really is – it's a very quick read, uh, extremely fast for 200-plus pages, and uh, it's got some interesting stories in it. And he does a really good job of just setting everything up, too. He tells part of his own story to begin with, and then the really telling part is that there is this individual storyline, and these people tell how they moved from being Obama voters to Trump voters and why. And that's the kind of thing I think even Donald Trump would be well-served to to read and take a look at. Uh, I think that would go a very long way. Uh, so it's it really is a good message. It's a strong message. It's something we need to hear, uh, and it is a good reminder. You know, we've we've had some great millennial guests on here uh, over the last couple of years, in particular, 
and I find myself still being hypercritical of some, but it's mostly in the uh, the coastal cities uh, where they've been victims of a public school system that's run by uh, states where they want to indoctrinate these folks, and then uh, colleges and universities where they're trying to complete the Marxist indoctrination for an overthrow. I've spent a lot of time here talking about how these folks are people that we need to try to reach out to, that they're not uh, individuals that can't be uh, reasoned with. But it is a case where we do have to learn on an individual basis how best to communicate with these folks. Uh, some some people we can go over the stats and the facts. Some people we can pull the uh, – I'm going to tell you I'm quoting one person, and then I'm going to reveal that I'm actually quoting somebody you hold up as a hero. Some of them you can talk about how uh, Margaret Sanger uh, founded Planned Parenthood, but it was founded for the purposes of trying to eliminate black people. You know, the, These are truths that a lot of these people don't know because of an intentional effort to keep them undereducated. So the individual mentoring, the one-on-one -on -one time, the actual interactions… Those are things that we, as I have mentioned before, should be looking to try to do at least a little more than what a lot of us are. Now, I'm going to give uh, hat tips off to everybody who's out there already doing it, and there are some. But uh, Jonathan is a good example of exactly how it is you can see the errors and the flaws, and he's laid out the case of how other people can do it and to show why. So it's a great book. Please take a look at it. Pick up a copy. Uh, it's phenomenal. In the meanwhile, I'm out of time, boys and girls, so I'm going to have to say good night to everybody once again. Uh, Shout-outs again to Bigfoot and Bring It Boy and Suzette, Chief, and uh, to uh, New Orleans, who uh, skipped back out on us. I guess it was time to eat after he's frying up that redfish. Uh, and, uh, you know, Thanks for everybody else who's out there listening, to, whether you're listening on terrestrial radio or if you're listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, Confucius Institute is not helping. <laughs> uh, you're right. <laughs> at any rate, that's going to be it. Come back and see me Sunday, uh, at least at the moment I'm planning on being back. Uh, be careful out there. Have a great weekend, and remember… Whatever else you take from today's broadcast, please don't take my word, not for one little bit of it, but do not take the words of the folks on the other side either. Take a little time, do your own research. Most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. You guys uh, stay safe out there, stay healthy, and uh, you know, be smart. I know you got it in you. I'll be back tonight, and I'm out for now. Great weekend, everybody. Just a little squirt
using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Now in Hitler, Malamine and Pol Pot They told the things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny two to three Give me more than a thousand yards to protect my family It's using both hands.